the incomparable. Number 505 March 2020 Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell. And in this episode, we're actually going to talk about something that we've talked about once before. And it was a, it's a TV show. It had two seasons. And the second season finished, and I realized I shouldn't talk about this show that has now been canceled until all its episodes are available for streaming somewhere on a nice streaming service. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited. And about a year went by, and Amazon Prime Video, in the U.S. anyway, has added Counterpart, the Stars television series, to their lineup. And it was one of my favorite shows of the past decade. And I always wanted to talk about season two, but we decided to wait until now. You can now, if you're a Prime Video subscriber in the U.S., you can go watch all 20 episodes of Counterpart, and you should. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about, uh, before the spoiler horn, why you should give this show a try and what makes it interesting. And then we will talk about the last 10 episodes of this 20-episode series um, that uh, that I think is excellent. Uh, joining me to talk about Counterpart on this episode are the following wonderful people. Dan Morin is here. Hello. Hi. Is Is this me? Or is it my other? It is uh, one of you. One of you made a wise decision to be on this episode, and the other one chose poorly. Dan Alpha and Dan Prime. Dan Prime chose poorly and is not on this. <laughs> Sucker. John Syracuse is here. John, ours is the only reality of consequence. You know, you chose to wait to talk about this until it was available on the streaming service. I made a different choice. So mm. I've already talked about this. <laughs> There's an alternate incomparable where it was episode 450-something. <laughs> but Slightly different logo. Mm, not, no Zeppelins mm-hmm. over there, weirdly. That is strange. That is strange. The robot's faced in the other direction. Uh, and Moises Chuyan is also here. Hello. In this pit of existential despair, will we discover our true selves? What? Oh, wait. Wrong German. Wrong German. You're thinking of Star Wars, strangely. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, So, Counterpart, we, I, I do want to talk about this show because I feel like nobody saw it. That's look. Bottom line is, I feel like this is a, a, a show I really enjoyed and nobody saw it because it was on Stars. Yep, and nobody got it, and nobody saw it, and I, every I, everybody I would tell about it would be like, I can't get that, I can't see it, and now at least again they're streaming. It's in different places in different parts of the world, but at least in the U.S., Amazon's picked it up. I would imagine it will appear elsewhere, and so I wanted to start by talking a little bit about what the show is. We did we did an episode about season one. You can go listen to that. And we, we made probably some of the same points, but I wanted to at least go over that ground a little bit before we talk about the, you know, the last half of the of the run of the show and and uh how it handled everything. This is a um it is a sci fi uh show, but it's also a spy show. Um Dan, does that mean that it's spy fi? Uh I would allow it. Sure. Yeah. I think I think that is a lot of what's compelling about it to me is that it's a meshing of two genres that I obviously love. Um, And I really, I think it's executed very well. It does go back a little bit and forth between, because like I would add, there's also just some like straight up, I don't know, do you call it like existential drama or something in there as well? Like there's an element of that. Yeah. The best thing about this is it's a character drama, except that the the plumbing of what a character's life is and their choices is made far more complicated right. by the fact that right. there is a science fictional premise involving parallel universes yeah, to I would, go through. Uh, yeah. Especially in season two, I would say there's a lot of the philosophical that gets into mm-hmm. that as well. And it is it is uh, really just a fabulously produced 
acted, written show. And I love, I think it's just, I love any show where it feels like the tone is so consistent and the world is so well thought out that it's immersive. And I think this is a show that nails that. It's just like, feels like you are subsuming yourself into this strange world. And it is just from one end to the other, it feels to me very much of a piece. And I mean, to pick up the Cold War vibe, you've got um, it's set in Berlin. It was shot. The interiors are all in L.A., but the exteriors are all in Berlin. And it is uh, it feels like a Cold War story, Mm -hmm. even though it's set in the present day, because the Cold War in this show is between these two parallel universes instead of between the East and the West. Um, And the casting is another thing that we we should probably mention and we'll talk about as we go, because this is a, a remarkably well cast show, not just J.K simmons as the lead character but down the line there are some remarkable performances by a great collection of actors i just want to say there is a there is a parallel universe in which this was a canadian (laughs) show that ended up on the sci-fi network yeah (laughs) and it was not as good no because it was like peter deloise or something instead of jk simmons (laughs) yeah exactly and the the crossing between worlds is at niagara falls no it's 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 in the forest in vancouver clearly (laughs) yeah so uh jk simmons olivia williams Harry Lloyd, Nazanin Baniadi, they're just some amazing characters and performances by those actors in the in these parts. And of course, it is an acting showcase because a lot of these people are playing two different characters, two versions of themselves in a parallel universe that split off from ours in the late 1980s in an East German lab. Um, and in season two, we get to see that happen, which is also a, a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I think this is the, the the reason this hits the sweet spot for me, like Dan said, is it's not only a couple of great genres that are getting mixed around here, the sci-fi and the spy genres, but it really is also a character study because this is this this is an existential thing it is you're the sum of the choices you've made and what if you are forced to grapple with um the possibility of what would have happened if you had made different choices and of course if you there's a parallel universe there's a really i don't want to say easy but there's a way you could do that and the unknowable becomes uh, knowable and what does that mean if you find out the ramifications of of uh, the choices you've made the way i would pitch this show for people who haven't seen it and are considering you know you just mentioned it's two seasons uh, what 10 episodes each season it seems like why would i bother watching such a short show that uh you know was canceled before its time or whatever the beautiful thing about this i don't actually know the sort of behind the scenes when it was canceled and why or whatever but it reads for all the world like a completely told yeah. story mm-hmm. It was ordered as 20 episodes, so they always knew they were making 20, and I think it became clear fairly quickly as they were working on season two that they were probably not going to get more, and they made sure that they told that story in 20 episodes. Yeah, and they did leave the door open enough to it to yeah. continue, but but sure. the thing I think I love about this is like, you know, 20 episodes it seems like it's just nothing like, you know, live fast, die, die young, leave a beautiful corpse, you know, kind of Firefly style, but that's not what it's like. This is not a live fast show. Like, it no. is... It is a live slow show. I mean, the the vibe you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned the uh, like the vibe, the consistent vibe and look. That's true, and that vibe is slow burn yes. sci fi mm-hmm. spy thriller. Like it just smolders through tw- twenty episodes. It's always overcast in Berlin, and everyone's paranoid <laughs> for a good reason. And there's doubles of everybody, and one character gets to play three people because of amnesia. And it's you know like it is it is a, a really good story, and I think 
that it pays off like this is we'll talk about this when we get into the details of of, uh, of season two but there are some amazing payoffs that like shows that go on for much longer have a difficult time saying when do we pay off and how much and it's like this show said we're going to pay off everything and how mm-hmm. and we're also going to stick the landing which i think they did with a, with a great ending yep. and they even having rewatched the ending they even left room for the show to come back i don't think it will but like what an amazing balancing act so if you like if you're worried about watching this and saying oh i'm into sci-fi but i don't want to be leave dissatisfied you won't you will be 100 percent right. satisfied like you just read a good book it's like yeah i was about to say it's like reading two really good books that are like a complete series <laughs> it's very novelistic it's the kind of thing that especially in in this age of of uh, people feeling like binging things is the default i would advise heavily against doing that with this where uh at the most i would say well there are 20 episodes of it watch it you know, one episode a night, if you really want to, you know, feed, feed into the fact that you're enjoying the show and can watch more of it whenever you want. You've just described the slow binge, which is my preferred method. And I do also, uh, I concur, I concur that this is a great slow binge show. It's novelistic, not in the sense that you should read it over the course of two nights. Um, You don't get the, the real punch of those payoffs that John described if you just blast through it. Um, and you get, you get to enjoy some of those nuances and, um, yeah, I, I think, I think this is definitely the kind of show that if you speed through it, it has the effect of feeling like it's been many, many months since you, uh, since you watched the last chunk of things because you miss details and you miss nuances of things. Don't take too long. I will say I watched the first two episodes of season two when it aired and I was watching with my wife and we sort of. I don't know what we got distracted. We ended up with something else. And so I had to finish this show in the last, I would say, week or so. Uh, and I went into episode like, you know, the third episode of the second season. And I was like, oh, no, there are oh, so many now? plot threads and characters. <laughs> I've forgotten what has happened in the last two episodes. Yeah. Like there is a lot. It is a complex show. And I think that does. I, I agree with the slow binge approach just because sometimes you need those episodes to like sit with you for a little bit and like you yeah. kind of pick it apart and digest because a lot happens even though it is slow like john was saying the pacing is very slow it's got that slow burn approach but it's but packed it's dense it doesn't hold yeah, your hand exactly syriana is the movie i always pick up like it does not hold your hand there's lots of intrigue and lots of moving pieces and they and this show does not bend over backwards to make sure you're getting everything right yeah absolutely, absolutely does not and, and it's all there it's not obscure syriana is maybe a little obscure but it's it's all there on the screen but you do have to keep track of things and this this i found personally confusing and i'm sure some people do because of the parallel universes and actress playing two people the show does not try particularly hard to make sure you're always aware which side you're on and yeah. who is which thing. Yeah. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like it says, no, they look the same. One's not tinted a different color. It's not fringe. Uh, we don't always dress this one in black and, and this one in white. They do a little bit of that. And sometimes when they're both on the screen, they make sure you know which is which. But in general, very often I'd be like, wait a second, what side are we on now? In terms of structure, they do a good job of early in both seasons. You'll spend the majority of, if not an entire episode at a time, in one place or another and they don't they don't jump you back and forth a whole lot um so that you can you can get acclimated and you can you can you can pick up on the tells of which earth you're on whether you're on one or the other but that change that makes it difficult more difficult for me because i think when like you're kind of used okay like this is one thing the show is consistent about the pov is always from i always forget the name i think the alpha one or whatever there's a consistent pov of the show our world as in Mm, yes us the viewer and their world the other people but when they spend entire episodes on the other side i'm like wait a second 
we're doing this whole episode from this POV? Is this our <laughs> world? Like, no, no, this is their world. We talked about the the performances and people playing, you know, doppelgangers of themselves. And I will say, so there are a lot of other shows now that have done this, right? Like Fringe did this a little bit, playing with parallel universes. A lot of the CW uh, shows, the superhero shows, have done like doppelgangers and multiverses, etc. Uh, Orphan Black is the the big showcase for one actor sure, playing lots sure. of different characters. I, I think what right. I was going to say here, though, was I feel like a lot of those other shows play those doppelgangers very broad, right? Like it's like <laughs> they all have a mustache and a goatee. Yeah, it's like. I mean, like you're you're looking at like, oh, well, we, we think it's fun to play with a different multiverse, so we're gonna have somebody who is a like, you know, totally different from our our the character we know and love. So you can give a chance the actor gets to stretch their legs a little bit. That that is not what is happening in the show. These characters are fundamentally like there are kernels of them that are the same, but a lot of it is subtle in terms of like the changes and the differences. Even though they're like maybe wildly different in some of the things they do watching some of the characters navigate the differences especially when you know to add to john's point about like uh, you know characters who are actors playing three different versions of that characters when you have characters who are pretending to be mm-hmm. the other version of their characters mm-hmm. is like a layered nuanced performance and yet uh, and that in particular jk simmons watching him work in this is just amazing because you can tell when he is which character he is and even when he is a character pretending to be another character it is still very clear who he is and that is a truly i think a tour de force and a and a like a huge compliment for him yeah i think the actors all do that differentiation very well like if you gave me any scene i mean obviously they have different haircuts different outfits or whatever the thing the thing is difficult to keep track of if you're not really paying attention is when it's the same character like ian for example or some other character that is basically a one side character because their other one is dead yeah if they if you spend a lot of time with them especially if they cross over a lot you start to say, wait, what side are we on? Because I'm really spending a lot of time from the POV of this character. Is this, like, for example, I don't give it away, but like when we get to the end of the, you know, there's a big meeting at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. What side does that meeting take place on? I was rewatching it. I'm like, wait a second, which, which side? Not that it matters what side they're on, because in the end, like the plot point doesn't matter. Our side and their side is very consistent, but the show really messes with your head in that you will get lulled into accepting the other side as our side until you see like a cell phone or something. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, you get jolted out of it, which I, th- I think is another great effect that uh, that the other side, again, is not totally different with Zeppelins in the air or whatever. And the way that I think that works for me is that it it keeps me thinking, actively thinking about where am I, what is going on, but not so much that it distracts completely from me paying attention to the show. Um, it, it keeps my, my brain working, but just enough for me to puzzle out, oh, okay, okay, this is the tell that I'm on this side and this is the, you know, this is the, the version of this character that I'm dealing with. And for a long time throughout the series, um, there is a particular character that is out of commission um, that you, it makes, it, makes it pretty plain which side you're on if you see that character at all. Um, and you don't have that advantage going into season two, um, which, uh, since we discussed season one on a previous episode, I, I guess our, our discussion is going to predominantly cover season two. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I feel like over the whole arc of the show, it ends up being a help and not a hindrance. And like John said, there's, there's a meeting in season two that it kind of doesn't matter which side you're on, but I found myself in rewatching it, uh, trying to puzzle out, okay, which side are they on? but it wasn't distracting me from the incredibly important scene that was playing out. Um, so I, I felt like it worked the whole way through. It didn't, it didn't detract. It didn't push me away from being able to pay attention to things. And there's something to be said about the fact that this is a show where, despite the fact that we do spend some time in season two, explaining how this universe came to be, um, 
it doesn't spend a lot of time on mechanics, right? It doesn't spend a lot of time on like here are like there are rules, but they're also kind of hand wavy a little bit. Um, and I think that that is fine. Like it doesn't need to go into that sort of like hard sci-fi angle of like, what exactly is going on? What are the rules for these things? How does this work? Et cetera. Like there's, there's kind of some givens and you sort of roll with that. And I think it's good because it doesn't get bogged down in that aspect of it. Yeah. Star Wars, uh, Star Wars starships move at the speed of plot and the crossing moves at the speed of budget. Yeah. <laughs> to reinforce something John said, uh, while I encourage everybody again, I'm encouraging you to watch this show. Um, it uh when they were they shopped around a third season to see if they could find somebody to pick it up and it didn't happen but what the creator of the show justin marks said was the third season would have not would have been a a different setting with some of the same characters following the ramifications of what happens at the end of these 20 episodes so i think that's a good idea of how this is a story set in a world where there could be more stories um i don't i'm always hesitant to say it has a great ending and so you should watch it because obviously we've seen with a lot of tv series endings that some people's great ending is some other person's outrage that it didn't end with uh enough clarity um so i i think the way i've been saying it to people is there are definitely threads that could be picked up in the future and because it's never going to come back probably unless lots of people watch it on Amazon Prime Video um, that uh, they ne- they never will be. But it's not they're not the kind of threads. It's not a cliffhanger. They're not the kind of threads that m- that you get really sad will never be followed up on because mm-hmm. that was what the story was supposed to conclude with. It's not that kind of ending. It's the kind of ending you have where you have a very a fitting kind of stopping point to, to end this story knowing, <laughs> you know, knowing that maybe there's another story to be told, you know, in other words, it's not one of those things where they had a third season ready to go and they got canceled after two seasons and uh, whoops, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll do a comic book someday <laughs> to tell you what happened. It's not that kind of ending. I've got feelings so about the tone of the it. ending, but I feel like we can discuss that after the spoiler. Yeah. Right? Sure. It doesn't feel like you have been set up for, okay, this is how season three is going to start. This is the status quo for season three and exactly who's going to be involved in season three. But it more sets up. This is what's going on in the world for season three. It's an ending that leaves you wanting more because any TV series that's hoping for another season should leave you wanting more. And you will be sad if you enjoy this show that it's over. But it's not an ending where you're going to feel ripped off that it didn't really end. It just stopped. So if that makes sense. Yeah, they wrapped up every story thread that they introduced, like every character, every group, everything like their world still exists. That's the thing about these stories. Like there's no ending where it's like and then the world ended and nothing ever happened again. Like that's not a satisfying ending. The world continues to exist. Right. With other stories maybe possible. Right. In but, it. but every plot point and character came to a fairly final conclusion. And the ones that were still alive you know where they are and what they're doing and what the situation is. No one was left yeah. hanging. So in that way, it was very satisfying. And I think, you know, and they, they gave so many payoffs to the middle and the back half of season two that the, the last few episodes only had a few major things to tie up. And boy, did it tie them up. All right, time for a quick break for me to tell you about our sponsor this week. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Masterclass. Masterclass is an app that's accessible on your phone, on the web, on your Apple TV, wherever. It lets you learn from the best with exclusive access to online classes tossed online classes taught by the masters of their crafts. 
learn the art of filmmaking from Martin Scorsese, improve your screenwriting skills with Aaron Sorkin, learn the art of storytelling, probably creepy storytelling, with Neil Gaiman, 75 different instructors across tons of categories. There's something for everyone. My favorite is learn how to be an astronaut with Chris Hadfield, which is pretty incredible. A lot of fun to find out about what goes into being an astronaut and the job of an astronaut. That has been my favorite. But uh, the Neil Gaiman stuff is also pretty great. I've loved that too. Just everywhere you turn, there's another kind of star, an expert, a master, ready to tell you some stories about how they do their job. It's pretty awesome. Check it out. You can get unlimited access to every master class right now. And as a listener of The Incomparable, you get 15% off of their annual all-access pass. So go to masterclass.com slash incomparable to sign up. That's masterclass.com slash incomparable for 15% off of Masterclass. Thank you to Masterclass for supporting The Incomparable. All right. I am going to fire off the spoiler horn now officially uh, for those. I hope we've enticed you to seek this out. And again, if you're in the U.S., it's right there on Amazon uh, Prime Video. You should watch it. 20 episodes. I think 20 episodes sounds great to be a show you could watch because you don't have to invest 70 hours in it. It's it's 20. Give it a shot. Uh, Counterpart, Amazon Prime Video and other places elsewhere in the world. And uh, here's the spoiler horn. The Crossing. Not showy. You know, it's a low-budget show. It's mostly just interiors. People talking fine. Here's the thing about The Crossing. It's a basement. So let's assume that the staircase going down to The Crossing is facing east. So you go down there. Is it facing west in the other world? No, because the other world no. isn't, re- isn't mirror reverse. It's right. not like east is west and west is east and north is south. It's like an origami. It's, it's an origami fold or something. direction in both worlds. So yeah. the, yes. the thing that I get hung up on a little bit is... Why is is all of the activity involving the crossing not happening at the interface between those two places? Because if it's facing west in both places, that seems like anomalous. It's, M- <laughs> it's M.C. Escher's compass is what it is. Yes, they're both facing east mm-hmm. and they and they overlap and those universes are folded together at that point so yeah if you if you were carrying a compass i think that as you step across the border it flips or whatever can i ask a logistical question about the crossing because there was something that confused me in season two and and it made me think back to season one which is a, a plot point that was a big deal in season one was the interface rooms mm-hmm. right and they have the interface room in this season in which emily prime and emily alpha meet what side is that on? Hey, it's Alpha World Jason here. And after we recorded this episode, we found a Reddit post from Justin Marks, the creator of Counterpart, that explains that the interface rooms are also part of the crossing. They're right above the crossing. And they are indeed with uh, one part in one universe and the other part in the other universe. So that answers that question, which we did not understand when we asked it here. Well, that's the trickiness of all this. And it's part of the Cold War ethic of the spy thing, right? Is like this, you want these sort of East, you know, East Berlin, West Berlin checkpoints. And so you have the crossing. The idea that that many people, like that many spies get through this war one corridor always struck me as a little well, bit like not very well guarded I mean, it was they have like doors and like guards yeah. and everything yeah but people smuggle stuff through and everybody's got diplomatic credentials yeah. and those rats those are coming things. back and forth all the time you could smuggle lots of stuff in the back the, of the rats, the rats. anyway my, my, so if i didn't talk about the flashlights briefly the flashlight thing and this is this is sort of part of the philosophy of the whole show and you just kind of have to go with it but i always think about it. this is one of my favorite episodes the twin cities episode mm-hmm. the big payoff of the origins of the crossing where yannick goes down and sees yannick 
uh, yeah. and their flashlights fall on the ground and they roll and they do the same thing. The question, the, you know, philosophical uh, universe and the giant's fingernail, whatever whole thing about this is uh, how can there be an effect without a cause? So if these two worlds uh, meet up each other and Yannick goes down there and he sees them, whatever causes them to diverge in any way, like it, it this, this show uh, says that the universe is not deterministic, right? That the universe is not a machine simply executing in, in a in a deterministic way because there are inexplicable variances because the flashlights are the same, but one yells and the other answers and they don't do and say exactly the same thing despite ostensibly being exactly the same up until the moment of the split and be and receiving exactly the same input, they produce different mm-hmm. outputs. So that's the premise of the show is that there are divergences. And the thing about it is, is the only the show doesn't need to explain that. All you need is one divergent. If you can explain the first divergence, and this is the thing the show leans on, everything else follows from that. You're like, okay, fine. As soon as there's one divergence, then the butterfly effect, like the worlds diverge, and that's that. But the first divergence, the flashlights weren't diverging. The flashlights were the same. There was a there was a first divergence, and that is like the original sin of these two universes. And you could have hand waved it with some sci-fi mumbo jumbo, but that I think is an, the, an essential philosophical issue that the show decides never to tackle. And I think would have been interesting. You don't need to dwell on it because, like, who really cares? Like, the, the major point is, like, once things start to diverge, then, you know, you're off to the races. And that show is hammered, it's hammered home very well in that. But the very first divergence is what kicks it off. And the show never wants to deal with that. Yeah. And I think they, they soft pedal it in a way that I kind of like, which is they show that initial moment where they're saying the same thing and the the flashlight goes in the same place to say oh these are identical and then there's a little bit of a leap of faith which is obviously something it just enough mm-hmm. is is diverged just enough that one flashlight rolls a little further or stops a little short and that's yeah, enough but, to but get why? one of them to stop talking to the other but yeah is it is it just is it a piece of is it like a, a piece of rubble that fell through from one side to the other and and they they you know it was random chance or uh, whatever random and chance they, is not a thing <laughs> well, I, I, I think I, I think it's it's something more to do with the the most minor quantum variances in the universe can cause uh, you know a cameraman uh shooting a soccer match to cut away or you know the guy in the control room to flip the switch half of a second faster than the other person and it's it's a confluence of billions of little causal things happening and it's not yeah, it's you not still just need, you still need the first divergence here's how i would have explained it away <laughs> just, just justin marks get in touch here's here's my good explanation for it all you have to say is that when the split took place there was a time offset of some kind and you don't have to explain why there was a time offset just say oh we took this one universe and we accidentally shattered it into two because the computer screen melted in a weird way and the universes <laughs> were offset in time by uh, some picosecond that's it that's all you need because that all you get all the change to flow out. Of. I don't think you even need that. I gotta be honest, it didn't bother me. I think the the way that you could, because I, I know what you're asking for, John, and really what you're asking for is something that would be more right, but also worse to watch on TV, which would be that they would the Yonics would be looking at each other, saying the identical things, and at some point somebody's like, "You go." Some at some point they have to go back to one side or the other, and somebody one of the Yonics is going to have to say, "Okay, fine, I'll go with you oh, instead yeah, no, of you, you coming you need with me." 
divergence. You definitely need the divergence to take place. You just need one tiny bit of hand wavium, and I would have done it with time offset because it's like one line right. of dialogue. You accept it because pff, time offset. Sure, there's no rules about how universes. I think they did it where the flashlights start identical, and then at some point one of them is slightly rolled to a different place, and you're like, oh, there's already been a very slight divergence here. Mm -hmm. Because the beauty of it, the art of this episode, because let's talk about Twin Cities. It is uh, a standalone. Well, it's not entirely. There's some stuff that's set in the present day, but it's almost yeah. entirely in 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 the late 80s in East Germany. It's it's the origin story exposition stuff that we've been wanting the whole time. And I love that they made us wait precisely that long for it. Not necessary, but yeah. good. Important if you're going to have Yannick for the conclusion, though. Like right. And the, and the cassette tape where one mm -hmm. uh, Yannick gives the, the, the tape to his daughter and the other one doesn't, which leads in a direct line to her listening to the music and not hearing her brother having a seizure when he's being uh, caught by the secret police. And so he dies. And the other one who didn't have the new tape heard him earlier and came out and he didn't die because they got him medical treatment and that is that moment where it's now completely spun out of control and that leads to yannick doing in a shocking uh, bit of, of quite an episode all the way through that mm -hmm. the moment where um and this is i think you know at least yannick thinks this is the fundamental premise of the show and he and mira thinks it's the fundamental premise of the show which is one yannick kills the other because he can't stand himself and he can't stand the uh, being, you know, seeing the alternative of his life. And he and he ends up coming away convinced that uh, two parallel universes, one one is fated to destroy the other, which I don't agree with. And I think a lot of the characters <laughs> in the mm -hmm, show don't mm -hmm. agree with. But, but it becomes a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy in a way, too. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, because I, I really love that again another thing that and to john's point this may be unclear to a certain point although i would say based on the way the show sh like displays it we have the conversation where they're talking about making the flu vaccine or the flu uh and their argument is if we're talking about it mm -hmm. the other they're side talking is talking about, about it. i mean that's 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 yeah. like cold war paranoia yeah, absolutely but my point is i i think it's kind of a fascinating moment because we only ever see it from one side mm -hmm. right we never right. see the other side saying they're doing it too right like it really might have, be they do do an other side conversation but not about the flu they do that exact thing i think an episode later where where the other side says the same thing and you realize they're both paranoid just not about right. the same thing right exactly right. and i think i think that's an interesting point because it is like it is a fallacy right like oh we're doing it there therefore they are doing it and the answer is maybe not right like so there yeah. therefore maybe the worlds aren't necessarily at war maybe it's just one side trying to kill the other what's well, a fascinating retrospective look at the notion of cold war paranoia where it takes out the whole notion of nation states and national identity from it because whether whether you are on one side of the iron curtain or the other the the fact of the matter is you look at cold war uh spy dramas and and that sort of thing through the lens of well my side was right and the other side were full of evil mustache twirling villains and in this case you don't have that luxury because it's just a mirror image yeah, of our entire reality one of the best uh, sort of you know biting parts of the show it's literally the same people like it's yeah. not like oh they're just like us no they are right. you right yeah <laughs> right yeah that, that makes it potentially makes it worse 
Yeah, none of the horrible kind of eugenicist arguments of, you know, the, just the way that certain people are 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 dispositioned and so on. And all that goes out the window. But they managed to do that anyway. They're like, you know what they're like on that side. Like, it's yeah, literally exactly. the same people, but they still manage to other them. It's the Stanford uh, prison experiment, right? Like, you <laughs> but, find but, a way. But, uh, but even worse, because it's, it's like it's yourself. Like, it's, it's, it's literally all the yourself. same people, yeah. all the same places. Like, mm-hmm. there is no, there is no, seems to be no foothold for bias and prejudice. And yet the the characters and people in the show find it and grab right on and, and it. it's fascinating to watch how again going back to sort of playing those doppelgangers it's fascinating to watch how even the ones who have diverged again have that similarity inherent in them right like right we start to see things from both howards that are traits of their their others and like yes. as this show goes on especially in the second season they start to get a little closer together in some ways and i think you know both emily's right like if it weren't for the fact that oh, uh, you know, Emily Alpha, you know, basically <laughs> got hit by a car and lost all her memories, I think those two characters are actually very similar, right? Like, and so there's some divergence there, but yeah. Well, and what the show plays with too is um, because while it is about these big picture things and it's a parallel universe and there's these two sides and there's a, a terrorist group that's plotting something and all of that is going on, there are these little stories about. So yes, Howard J.K. Simmons, you know, playing those two different versions of Howard Sill and uh you know in season two they're on the wrong sides and so you know rough and tumble howard is also when he's around emily has to pretend to be meek howard and on the other side meek howard is becoming a little more rough and tumble as he's having having to deal with this and he's dealing with the other emily and that i want to olivia williams like that's one of the fascinating things about this show is her relationship with howard fell apart a long time ago and yet our Howard, Meek Howard, uh, you know, Alpha Howard, um, and Prime Emily are actually a really great team. And there's this moment like, well, wait a second. Like, he's married to the other one and loves the other one, but it turns out the other one <laughs> is herself, not who she appears. And and she's a good partner with Prime Howard Prime, right? Like, they have right? those scenes where they're figuring out, like, the puzzles, and you're like, oh, boy. And then in season two and then the shoe drops which in in an amazing scene my my two favorite scenes in this entire show involve howard emily and their daughter yep or the lack of a daughter Mm -hmm. and the one um, and uh the the one in season one is there there are a pair of amazing scenes involving the spare room in their apartment yes that is their daughter's room in one world and they didn't have the daughter in the other world because there was a miscarriage and it is heartbreaking to as howard discovers that they have he has a daughter on the other side in season two it's the realization <laughs> that emily um alpha from our universe basically w- was going to the other universe while her her other was in rehab and taking her daughter away to vacation and let's keep this our little secret so this woman who didn't have the child had the miscarriage was going to the other side to be with her parallel universe what might have been child and kept like a child's drawing and did it multiple times and that that was the moment for me where i'm like whoa because you know you 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 didn't the show was like well this is very remarkable that people are crossing to the other side and then in season two it's like or is it <laughs> right? Well, there's the capper on those two scenes too. I think, which is the the Emily Alpha and Emily Prime conversation, where they're sort of fencing with each other, 
and Emily Prime eventually says, like, don't I, I can tell when you're lying. Don't lie to me. Mm-hmm. I'm you. Yeah, she was saying, like, well, we tried to have kids. We couldn't. It's like, you can't can't lie. You can't lie to me. Yeah, exactly. And she admits <laughs> that she didn't want a kid because she liked yeah, the she life. But then she didn't want to. Then she wanted yeah. to be a, t- a parent tourist, essentially. <laughs> so Howard admits that. And then this is the point of divergence for their relationship is Howard admits that he saw her making chalk marks mm-hmm. on signs and realized she was a spy and decided to not say anything. And the other Howard. Howard confronted her and that's why their relationship mm-hmm. broke up so they ended up with a child but with a failed marriage whereas the other Howard just kind of went it's just it, it's and, and and it's not just the twisty turny plotty part of that it's the emotional weight of that right of these decisions that had huge impact on their lives yeah. and, and how like I remember Emily Emily uh, Prime saying like oh well what if maybe if you had confronted me with the chocolate everything would have worked out and Howard knowing because it was actually the other Howard knowing mm, yeah. yeah I could have actually you know like it always the grass is always greener on both sides but it's like oh but i can't believe you didn't confront me what if you had things could have been so different he's like yeah let me tell no, you about actually that actually not they were different but not in a better way like it's the show does such a good job of not uh falling into the trap of saying there's evil howard and good howard yeah. evil emily and good emily yeah. yeah nor does it even even though we you know talked about this like oh it seems kind of like modified meek howard is a good fit for softened mean uh emily and vice versa but even that is not a straightforward slam dunk and a bunch of people die yeah. anyway well because howard Al- howard prime is fundamentally lying about who he is too yeah. right yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's like if you well if you just swap them crisscross crisscross like then <laughs> no that wouldn't work out either no like, and and plus they're so mad at each other for explicit like uh, one of my favorite scenes is like what have you done with my husband or whatever after mm-hmm. after me and howard chokes out that guy and she yep. after they slept together and she comes out it's uh-huh. like uh-huh. yep like oh now, my God. now you got two emily's who hate that howard yeah for good yeah. reason. The meeting between the two Emilys is is also a great example of the the incredible economy of storytelling that they that they employ throughout this thing. Because not only do we get that character stuff, but we also get the kind of expositional element of oh yeah, this is the this is the room on the end where stuff would get smuggled through, um, you know, by by pretty much either side. And so that that explains away the well. But hold on a minute, how did so and so get through? If it's so hard to get through, well, there's always an exception. There's always a, a CIA style well there yeah. are no rules when there need to be no rules yeah there wasn't yeah. enough i feel like there's not enough oversight that's another thing about this show <laughs> premise wise like the management yes. system is not a great well, system. no and they, they, they and they, that's fundamentally admitted this this show completely skims over um and i think because justin mark was like look okay first off we only got 20 episodes and mm-hmm. second no but this is not germane to the story i want to tell which is about human beings but like i did have a moment where i'm like okay so a bunch of each german scientists um are, are involved in a parallel universe being created and then they just tell their bosses like look nobody come into the building forever while <laughs> yeah. we do yeah. crazy and, and things then they tell they tell hundreds of people the secret and and all of them keep it the world's biggest secret is kept by and yet at some point there's this leap where it's like but then what we see in the present day is it's run by the un and it's essentially the two uns are running this facility because they're the only ones that know that there's another planet earth and they're connected in this place and that is like there's because <laughs> yeah, the un is such a, such a competent organization there's yeah, no way to get secrets. from point a to point b <laughs> from those scenarios so i just kind of have yeah. to go with it because it's like 
when they go back in time because there's no moment where like a government swoops in and says um you guys you five management people can't do this and yet like 20 years later 30 years later they still got their briefcases and are running it it doesn't really hold up um and and uh it, that 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 part frustrated me like the secret of management turns out to be really banal yeah i mean you can just accept like if they had showed management killing more people brutally because you can imagine like the thing the advantage management has and is that with the system is that if you make this discovery and you keep this the keep the secret within your little group of people until yannick kills himself right. or the other himself um and then you decide <laughs> then you decide that, that the way the only way to deal with this is to disperse and you are secretive and shadowy and no one ever meets you and if there's a constant feeling that if you betray these remote management people that you never see that you will die horribly you could probably keep that secret for a year or two and so you can like it's it's not the world's worst system but it doesn't it's not a system that lasts 30 years some of it's obfuscated too right like i mean howard doesn't know about sure. the multiple universes so some of the people don't know most of the people don't know and why would they even guess a parallel universe i will say there is also this um the implication of the echo prison is that one way that the management or the government or whatever exerts some level of power is this scenario where they basically take the echoes of important people from the other side and do terrible right. things to them to learn their secrets, thereby allowing them to be compromised. And mm -hmm. you could see that on both sides, there's probably machinery that has ratcheted up the tensions over time that also has potentially undermined the uh, the resources of both sides. And so, yeah, you know, I can head canon a lot of it, it yeah. it's more fun it, as much as i like that initial episode there is just I, I there's still that leap of like well why is this a super secret uh multi-government conspiracy that nobody knows about and yet it's also just like five east germans with briefcases <laughs> it works in the cold war analogy because like in the cold war many similar things were going on where there was like yeah. an open secret with a, with a small group of people the reason it works is because the cold war is bracketed in our mind as in it had a beginning and it also had an end it, like nothing can hold forever like the berlin wall right so the I, I always view it as all right this system wouldn't actually hold up just like the berlin wall didn't and this is the thing the point they make in the show many times so you don't have to believe it is perpetually consistent they make it last for 30 years which is probably a bit much but in the same way that you had these systems during the cold war that everyone knew were crappy but did kind of maintain themselves with momentum until they inevitably came crumbling down that's how i view the show mostly so you're like okay the compromise and bureaucracy go a long way to incentivizing people to keeping things hush hush and right. as people screw up along the way they get killed and with them the information yeah well but but eventually it does all come crumbling down and that's what happens well yeah, if you look back at some of those stories too about like the ones where it's like well this is how close we came to world war three or like mm -hmm. this there's this soviet system that's like supposed to launch a bunch of nukes in case anything really bad uh -huh. happens but it did it's kind of broken so we did not all die <laughs> and on this on the story on the storytelling side of things as much as i want that uh house of cards to come crumbling down it's something that is is the sort of thing that i figure you would you would let the secret out later um you know past what you're covering in these first two seasons and you know it's something that could have been the the idea of what to do uh, you know, based on on what happens at the end of season two, yeah, like because their their solution at the end of season two, like the story is over of how this is all you know the mirror plot and the whole thing about it, but but their you know the reason there is so easy to have more shows is their solution is they they weld a little seam on the door. It's like okay, well yeah. that's not <laughs> that, really that'll gonna, keep them in. Yeah, mm -hmm. like you know if you can weld it, you can unweld it. <laughs> it's like burying lightsabers in a desert. No one will find them. 
No one will fuck. So I want to talk about um, somebody we haven't uh, talked about much, which is Claire, who is Shadow. Uh, this is Nazanin Boniati, who is uh, great. This is a great role yeah. for her. And this is a, an example of somebody who doesn't have an other anymore because in season one there's <laughs> that amazing episode that. where we reveal that peter harry lloyd who is a high-ranking person in the bureau of interchange that uh he was dating a girl and uh she was uh, her father's very important and meanwhile on the other side mira has been training all sorts of people who might potentially be important and they send her over and she murders her self like like uh, like yannick did like this is a thing that happens and uh takes her identity and so it's the uh other world's claire who marries and has a child with peter on this side and in season two like in season one it's a great plot it's like a twist like it's revealed that claire is the double agent that we've been seeing we see her before but don't realize she's peter's wife until late season two flips that on its head in in a really amazing way where at the beginning there's this tension of like well you know and i know but i can destroy you and you can destroy me and and uh there's a new character who is in from the fbi and she's investigating everybody and is suspicious of harry lloyd's character but Nazanin Boniati, the the amazing thing about that performance is that it's it's so rich because she is she is a mother. Her father, you know, Harry Lloyd's character is the father of their child, but she is also someone who was essentially brainwashed by mm-hmm. a bunch of terrorists. And there is and there is that scene late in the season where she and Harry Lloyd and the baby are in the other version of the creepy school where they taught all the kids but on our side and you know and he's like no they're gonna kill everybody with the flu on this side and even then she it's amazing because he and he finally yells at her and says you're you're brainwashed um how can you believe this and it's it's just and and that's when they go and they decide to admit that she is the sleeper agent it's an it's really a remarkable um character and a remarkable set of uh, very tense scenarios where she is grappling with who who she is and the fact that she was never allowed to live her own life instead she spent time in this wacky terrorist school learning about the life of her other who she then kills like it's only this show could do something like that but her performance is so good um i I loved it and and it's one of those things that i think could have gone wrong and harry lloyd is giving a a broad performance also briefly a very broad performance as i'm not sure that he knows how to not give such a performance but he's perfect for that role he's perfect for (laughs) that role yes exactly he's a weasel (laughs) in the other world he has been taken to echo and tortured because he's important in the other side which is we only see him briefly there but like his life is ruined because the other one is successful he's still watching that game the video yeah left, watching watching the football game and just being like what if Man. what if that was the difference right like he's he before we know the whole backstory of like what happened he's convinced like oh i had to go to the bathroom and i got lost you know like <laughs> but claire and everything she goes through like it's such a yeah. complicated science fictional premise to get her up there but the 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 performance and 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 that character and how she is trying to grapple with all of these things and kind of come around it is you know it, it could be really easy for you like you know right you're P- peter you're right my I, everything that i was raised to believe is wrong let's go to the police and it's like that doesn't happen like 
like that's not yeah. going to happen. And we see everything that she is, uh, she's been messed up about, and that she is fretting over. And I, just, I loved it. I love, I love her. The thing I appreciated the most was giving a Persian actress a an opportunity to play a character who was radicalized that is not is not racially based um where she's able to play a bunch of the psychological stuff and it's not just okay well we need you know uh you know someone who is of this ethnic type to play this role a sort of homeland casting is what you uh, say yeah sort of casting <laughs> she was on homeland. she was on homeland which yeah. is funny yeah and and she she is such an incredibly gifted actress so um, good even though even though she's still playing a version of the kind of thing that is you know happening on homeland and other shows um you get to see so much of her range it's been disappointing to me to not see her in loads and loads of things since this show um but i think it's partly because nobody saw the show sadly in in relative terms it's funny because i've seen her in a bunch of different roles now and i think they're incredibly varied like she was on how i met your mother and like like she, she dated neil patrick harris's character totally different character totally type different. right you know i i agree i think she gives a fantastic performance here it's really nuanced it's really interesting watching her especially in season two as she grapples with like here's this vestige of her when when spencer gets introduced and he's like here's this vestige of your life her right? only friend from the crazy terrorist uh brainwash school who her ch- who her child is named for right appears with his paramilitary group that is going to kill lots of people and uh she has to she has to deal with like the question of who is she right because does she want to be with him does she want to be with peter peter actually is the father but is that a relationship that is a lie or not a lie or could it be brainwashed with facts jason oh my god well and and there's a there's a (laughs) (laughs) there's a wedge there too right because there's the whole thing where she finds out that mira killed her parents basically right it wasn't that their parents died of the flu it was that mira made sure they died yeah there's that recording that she gets right yeah even that doesn't convince her at first, right like it's it's weakening her resolve but it doesn't push her over that edge it's amazing plus peter is not very persuasive he's bad <laughs> no. i have to say i really love what they do with peter late in the season i feel like yeah. once the family goes on the once he, he, the moment where peter resigns yeah, peter makes a decision finally wow right well because he realizes uh-huh. he has that's his only play right like his only play is I'm screwed. It's a stupid play, which is fitting for Peter. But <laughs> no, but it's a, it's all he's got. Like otherwise, literally, he's got one choice, and that's it. And he at least makes it instead puts, of being put like themselves in maximal danger and rely on his stupid luck to save him. Which is <laughs> so the thing. The thing. Getting back to Claire for a second. The thing I love about her character, um, and it's it's both. I mean, it gives the actor, uh, you know, a, you know, does service to the actor by letting her do this. But I think the writing is the thing that really is the most important, which is we've seen characters like this a lot. And the thing they usually do with them, thing that every show loves to do is to have this woman, beautiful woman character who is incredibly persuasive and is an amazing spy and a chameleon. What they always love to do is have her use her powers as a spy to manipulate people to the end that the audience is never sure like should i believe anything that claire does because she's always manipulating and what this show does is it shows that she has this power she is incredibly good at her job she is naturally talented at being a spy and yet it is always clear at least to me viewing it who is the real Claire? They don't play the thing like, you can never know the real Claire because she's just a femme fatale and she's evil because women are evil. This show does not do that. She no, is she's a, a straightforward three-dimensional character. character. Yeah. 
Yeah. Who who does not like they don't because the show could do that at any point. It's like, haha, wink to the camera. You you just went through this whole satisfying emotional ending, but really, I'm a secret spy all along because you could never trust me because I'm a woman. Show doesn't do that at all, and I love it. Like like it's that's so difficult to do performance wise. To when can I believe that she's really emotional? When can I believe she's not? And and she has to do it in complex situations because she does love Spencer in her way, but also knows that he's nuts. Right. Right. Yeah. Because she tells him about mirror and he's not persuaded. And she's like, that's a little messed up. But she's not like she's pretending to get the info out of him. But she does care about him. She puts she stands in front of them when other Howard's going to shoot him. Like, that is a real human emotion. But you're never confused about like, oh, she's she's fooling Peter even at the end. Like, that's so hard to do. And it makes her feel like a real character in difficult situations. And the show never like abuses her and and uses her as as a as a misogynistic toy to say you can never trust women. Yeah, it's because we spend so much time with her and time with her where uh, oftentimes we quote unquote the audience, you know, is is alone with her right like and so you do get that moment of like the guard is down and you spend some time with or her even when she's with spencer and she's manipulating him you can tell like i think spencer knows at that point too yeah like, no i agree but i think i think all spending that time with her through all of her interactions right as opposed to showing just one side of her we see her interact with spencer we see her interact with the other people from like the from indigo and, and with her baby and with her husband and yeah, like you, exactly. you come to realize that it is it is literally impossible to fake what they had for like so it's this thing lots of yeah. shows like to believe like oh i can be married to you for 10 years and you'll never know because i'm just such an amazing spy it's impossible to live that life and not be in love with peter and your child and she is and it shows but she's also a spy which is difficult yeah and the add the extra guilt of the fact that she's living in the life of the person she studied for all those years so that she could kill her and she did kill her yeah like that's the peter be, peter not being persuasive by the way all you got to do is say look the flu doesn't know not to kill your child so when yeah. you say mira would never kill my child mira is not controlling the flu idiot <laughs> yeah. the flu is loose your baby is going to die maybe i will mention also that i think one of the reason that you you have characters like claire and uh, some of the other characters that are in this the, the women characters that are in it um although this show was created by a man the uh, writing staff i think in the second half is almost entirely women the first half it's about 50 50 there are also a lot of a lot of women directors in this show in fact there is a run in season one that i noticed where i think the last like six or seven episodes of season one that if a woman wrote it a man directed it and if a man wrote it a woman directed it which Mm -hmm. i always thought was like uh, was this i don't know whether it was on purpose or not but it's like counterpart counterpart interesting right many more women involved in the production of this show than uh on some other shows so yeah. and i think it i think it does show in the way that the uh the women in this show are treated i know culpepper who's directing on picard now directed some of season two yeah. um you know there there there's a, too, there, there's a lot of really mm-hmm. great talent that uh that uh, when you have a showrunner like Justin Marks, who is uh, prioritizing getting people the gigs that that make hiring them on other things possible, yep. you know, it, you for suddenly sure. see them cropping up all over the place. And he even had a a co showrunner for season two that that he brought on to get her um, showrunning experience as part of this. So it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's good from that perspective. Hey, we should talk about James Cromwell, who's only in season mm-hmm. two. He is Yannick, good old James Cromwell, who who shows up in a lot of U- European shot TV shows in their second or third seasons, doing an accent. He's got <laughs> his German kind. accent oh, yeah. of varying quality. And of varying, here's yeah. the thing: his German accent is not bad. Mm. 
it's not it seems bad. Okay to me, I mean, it doesn't you know, help it's, it's if, you, if you know but... the actor very well. You're like, oh, I don't know yeah. if you're pulling it off, but yeah. he's so he's so likable. He's the warden of the Echo Prison, but he's also a prisoner, basically. Mm-hmm. But he's also and, a client. Yeah. He's <laughs> also a client. And then it's revealed in flashback with a different actor that he is the creator of the parallel universes. He is the Yannick who killed his own other, um, and uh, he has an interesting journey. Um, and we see him talk to, uh, you know, JK Simmons and he talks to Harry Lloyd and there's some other characters that we see briefly who are characters from our world that are in prison over there. That's there. There's some interesting moments there, but the big thing with him is that Mira, you know, Mira is his daughter, but not his daughter. Cause it's the Mira from the other universe, but him from ours. Cause he, after he kills himself, he's taken, oh, this is confusing. <laughs> he's Yannick a, and he is taken prisoner by the B side. Yeah, he he's sent to he's sent to prison in Prime because he killed Yannick Prime and Mira Prime uh, is is uh, reacting to the fact that she sees her father kill her father mm-hmm. and it leads her down this path and nobody will believe her and it, it, it is the origin of this entire terrorist organization and there is that moment late in the season where or it's actually no it's in Twin Cities it's in that same episode where they're together and she's uh-huh. basically like I know I'm not your daughter which bugs me because you know the universe split Mm-hmm. Uh, b- before the universe split after she was born so he, they are kind of but not quite but, but, kind but, but of. everybody talks in that way she's not yeah. his daughter he killed her father right at least for for a period of time there uh they split apart and then uh, but but what she says is i'm not your daughter but you are the only other person who understands me because they share this worldview that uh, one side is destined to murder the yeah. other, which what, is what they choose to do up. about it is different, obviously. But yeah. yes, they both they both share the pessimistic view. But I think it's it's healthier to dwell on it and and uh, poke around at your fellow prisoners <laughs> than to do what Mira does. Some of the some of the greatest art of the writing of the final episode of season two for me is opening it with her effectively releasing him on the other side to be happy with his daughter mm-hmm. and his grandkids yeah. and I, and and the setup that we had up until then I went this doesn't track she really hates him there's yeah. something wait a minute wait a minute he <sighs> must be a carrier and then the whole entirety of episode 10 happens and I for, and I and I forget about it. Well, you see how much time is left in the episode, and you're like, "Oh, yeah. you get that feeling when, <laughs> when, when the story's yeah. wrapped up and there's five minutes left." We go back to the park from that opens Twin Cities, where he mm-hmm. makes the deal with the American spy. Yeah, and so he's now an old man there with his granddaughter. Obviously, he has you know had a reunion of a sort with his daughter. Um, he is uh, he is there with his granddaughter, and then he isn't feeling very well and realizes that he has the flu, the super flu, whatever it is. That that they've been trying to spread in our world as revenge and he collapses and a bunch of people run over to him. No, don't run over to him. He has a terrible flu. Well, and his daughter is the already there the playing with all the people. So it's, yeah, it's too Well, late. and that's yeah. the interesting thing, right? Like, so that's where the tone of the finale pivots. <laughs> because if you cut out that last minute, Right, like I think it would still be a perfectly satisfying ending. Well, but then it, then it would seem too pat. I disagree with you strongly, John. I think I think it's not pat. It's because it, it's not like everybody's happy where they are. Right, like stuff is fundamentally broken down. People are on the run. Mira releasing him doesn't really make sense, though. Yeah, right. So here, I would say Mira releasing him might make sense in that, like, she has the gun on him, and she's like, she could have killed him along with all the others, but she decided not to. And potentially it's because they do have that connection. You are the only person that understands me. You killed my father, but you are my father because we had some time together and all this other stuff. Like it can read okay. But the thing this show, I think I love about the show is that 
it, you know, despite the fact that it could have gone on for another season, because uh, it seems like they knew that this was it, the the resolution of money plot lines is everybody dies. Mira comes, <laughs> kills all of management. Uh, 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 mean Howard gets gets the information about the train station. He gets there before everybody, kills everybody. Right? Everybody. Uh, and Mira is she going to escape and be scot free? Nope. She's going to get killed by evil Emily. Like it's just all you know. It's all like everybody it, dies. Like fantastic it's not like, scene by the way. Emily killing Mira is yes. a fantastic. Yeah, with scene. the oh, with God. the pinprick oh. yeah, yeah. poison. Oh, and, so, and so like and and by killing everybody and saying we are just wrapping up it's like the end of the godfather but like it it, it reads as okay but is that how it ends like we settling save all the parallel family business mm-hmm. right and then and then emily dies uh somewhat pointlessly trying to get the information out of that uh the the remaining person at the house i mean not pointlessly because obviously information is key but anyway like like just everybody dies and it's like wow boy they're just killing everybody here and if you ended at that point you're like well through a series of very large killings where no one was left alive, everything is all wrapped up. Now, first of all, I'd be wondering, yeah, you killed everybody at the train station, but you were wrestling with a few of them. Are they contagious yet? How many other people did they cough on when they were going down the escalator? Plus, there's a whole thing with Temple telling Claire, like, there's a bunch of other sleeper cells, yeah, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. But I'm worried about the virus being out, right? But, if, but I feel like if you ended it without... Uh, uh without uh what's his name uh the old Yannick, man Yannick. Uh, and his daughter that yeah. really puts the nail in it because that lets you say like that mirrors like mirrors been one step ahead of everybody the whole time the whole like again if your villain lets himself be captured be careful people because that's you know <laughs> yeah right mirror right. lets herself be captured and she has a, a you know an out for that because ian is guarding her and she explains how she knew how which i appreciated i appreciated them not, and us, us not relying on like i had to put hang a lantern on that and say well, how did and you know Ian's Ian story would be gets a nice you? conclusion yeah. too right because we right. find out his story which is that he's actually from the other side and fled and all of that yeah, so, and so yeah. it, all the plan works out and you're like would mirror really uh be be caught like this because mirror disappearing i feel like would be okay well that makes sense mirror's out there she she thought she had won but really she didn't and we saved the day but we go and kill her so now she's dead too and you're like, like, really the good guys win conclusively and the answer is no the good guys do not win conclusively and that reads as well just like i i could have a reason for why mira would let her father her fake father go because it's like oh they do have that connection i also have a very good reason that's it's emphasized in the show of why she would want him to die in the most horrible way possible because she hates the life of her other the, the, right. the other has the life as emphasized so many times by so many characters the other has the life they wish they had and so mira is going <laughs> to cause her other to die in the most terrible heartbreaking way by sending her infected father to go meet her and her child because she hates that life and i mean she trains all these children to hate the life of their other like claire hates the life of claire you need them to hate them because they need to go over there and kill their other right. who has this life you have to sit here and learn about their life about all the cool things they're doing you have to get your legs broken in the little room while you're awake <laughs> they were ha- out having fun skiing you're not skiing you're doing like they need to hate each other and so when that conclusion comes you realize that you know, in the, in the good winning out over evil, the good would be, oh, dad, I know you're not my real dad, but we un- understand where we're coming from. At least we both agreed the crossings would be closed and we succeeded. So let's just let bygones be guy- bygones. But the stronger feeling is, no, I hate that other's life because they had the life that I wanted and I want them all to die. And that's how the show ends. The show ends basically saying whether Mira was right or not, the conclusion she brought about was in line with her thinking which is there's only one way this can go down and it's bad yeah she's gonna she's gonna inject a certain amount of entropy into uh into both worlds uh but predominantly the alpha world uh, in in revenge and she's been planning on it for 30 years so of course she has backups she's bringing balance to the force by killing millions of people and it's it's not i mean what i like about it is that 
it is they did stop a lot of the carriers so it's this one example and so it it's not like the show is saying and then it all succeeded it's more like right. well but she still had a little bit left and it's still going to be a complication but it might not be this it might not be the same as on the other side but it's she did get some shots in it's not going to be good <laughs> yeah well and uh, and you know richard richard schiff misses out on on successfully negotiating for that uh, that <laughs> the transfusion uh, that thing, that yeah. that, Im, uh, that uh immunization uh technology no she so she basically mira like uh she like you know watchmen's it she's like yeah i did it 30 minutes ago <laughs> like it's already <laughs> yeah. done so dan uh but that so that last scene i i like john i kind of felt like it was a a really nice bookend because it's like the story ends but the story never ends kind of i mean yeah. watchmen speaking of uh, which but it didn't it didn't if, hit that for, you. for me i think it was just too much of like a hook of like okay this is the button on the end of like this is what could have been this is like setting the scene for season three and that's fine like again you know you got to kind of kind of keep your options open right and you, you want to hook because you want to drag people in and have the people wonder like oh my god what does happen next like does right. a huge percentage of people die do maybe only a few people die I, like I, I felt like it was not making you want to know what happened like what happens i did i want to pe- know lots of people, well lots of people are going to get sick and die but there's that's not a like i think the show was saying to me is and basically what happened on the other side is going to happen over here. Maybe less because fewer yeah, people but like are the, infected. There are but, implications you know. to that. Do you go, did you open the crossing again? Do you, does this cause war well, again? Right. right? Like so this that's is the, the, that's the story. That's the, the story is what do they do about the crossing? Because the, the crossing is just sitting there. You can close the door all you want, but that's how season three is about the crossing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. But like, I'm just saying, I, I feel like to me, knowing there was no more show left to have, I was disappointed because I felt like I did. It, it had the hook and, and it had me like going. And I've seen this with other shows too, that like either knew they were going to cancel or knew they were going to get renewed. And it's like, oh, we had this great ending, but now we have to add a little something extra just because we know there's like there's you know, there's more to come. Well, it's like the Sopranos ending, which I don't want to spoil, but like I feel like you can you can decide you can say after the Sopranos <laughs> Does anybody ending, not know what the Sopranos ending is anymore? I've never even watched the show. <laughs> it's a good it's a good show, and people should watch it. It's pe- people born every day who haven't seen the end of the Sopranos, but like you could watch the Sopranos <laughs> ending and say, oh, I want to know I want to know what happens next. What happens after that? And the Sopranos ending says no, and I feel like this show says. Like to me, it didn't make me wonder what happened next. I felt like, and and this, and the conclusion is that the bad people basically won. Or maybe it didn't make you feel cheated that you didn't find out precisely what happened next. No, because because I feel like we know we got to see it play out on the other side. Already. It was also just so fitting, right? Like the reason that I love the ending, and it does make me want to see more, Dan. Right? And it is there, like as a thread to be picked up. But the reason I like it is because it's so. F- it fitting with the themes of the show which is not happy. see in the end um you know because this is a show where people like are killing their duplicates like we see it with baldwin and you know it, we, it keeps happening we, we see it with claire um and this is yannick's thesis that we get in twin cities which is um you always kill the ones you love wait a second that's the greatest show on earth but it's very similar to that it's like you you know you will see what you don't have and you will want it and that, that this is a it's the darkest way to view humanity and the the ramifications of this experiment and this last scene is basically like yep <laughs> I mean, and, and and it worked for me on that level. Yeah, well, whether it's whether it's like yep or not, it's saying that there was this one person who felt this way. And even if you don't feel this way, like even if you're like management yeah. and you believe in the optimistic and the better angels, the title of the episode, Mira feels this way, 
and she made this happen. Right. That all it, all it takes is one or two bad people to be clever in their badness and we're all going to suffer for it and so you have to take that into account yeah i i guess i that's the issue is like for me it, it certainly meshes i'm not gonna argue it doesn't mesh with mira and her philosophy and yannick's philosophy and all of that to me it did not necessarily mesh with the overall feeling of the show um and and that was just a little bit what i didn't i didn't like about it uh, it's, it's a little too much of a kicking off season three that doesn't and, exist that, and, that, and, being, and two. being a downer too right which is like i don't think necessarily i i don't think it had to be a positive ending and i don't think the ending without that is positive like clearly there is a lot of sort of it, it's more bittersweet i think and then yeah, i think that the for sure. the flu ending turns it into like tragedy and i was like it's a hard <laughs> left turn into tragedy you know, how i feel about end of the world things and i kind of like the idea see that, i i like, disagree both worlds get their kind of come up and and yeah i, yeah. I like, yeah. I like yeah, a show fine. that has the guts to uh, to stick to its guns and say this is not going to end well and even though there will be victories because there were victories in the end uh mira's plot follows through and basically like the show is basically saying like both worlds have to deal with the consequences of what went down like that you know that that original sin that original divergence rippled out that's right produced produced yeah. mira and she produced this thing Yonic's and even though good original people are on both sin. sides this is the effect and there is no escaping yep. it like there is yep. no getting you know even though you foiled you think you foiled the plot and did all the things and some people lived and some people drive and we and we learned to love and care and the crossing is closed in the end there's a flu on your side now. What are you going to do about that? Yeah, so many Cold War narratives are, you know, there's there's a thumb on a side of the scale and they don't deal with the counterbalancing that happens uh, from from things going haywire as a result. And I, I like that there is that little bit of chaos um, that that we can expect from where the narrative goes from here that doesn't cleanly end with a with a all right, you know, the quote unquote good guys won. One of the reasons I've been very resistant to well, I, I've pu- I pushed myself away from uh, from the very beginning, thinking of it as, you know, the good side and the bad side is that, you know, the, the prime world uh, got royally screwed by the other side in the yeah. interest of, of competition. And that was not their fault. Uh, w- was it their fault for uh, existing? Well, actually, we didn't we didn't talk about that. Um, the show, as far as I'm aware, leaves us never. Ambiguous. They it say. never says if it was an accident or on purpose. And right. they're and very careful about that. Like, you might think that's a cop out, but I think. It's no, I like fine. that. I think that's really good. Good. I think I, I actually am a fan of that. I, I, I think I think it's I think it's good that we didn't we didn't see the exact receipts, but we were given to understand that there was evidence that it was a plan that was made and that it is something that that it, it's it, a plan it, it, that it, was made, but it was never it's never clear if it was executed on purpose. The sin is making the flu not releasing it it was made plausible rather than being left as well you know that's that's a conspiracy yes, theory on its that's own fine. it was given yeah. it was given enough credence to not be easily dismissed and, and at the end of the day it doesn't matter because yeah. it yeah. happened and i like that i like Precisely. that, yep. that we don't know and it doesn't matter and the fact that they it was there to be released yeah i mean that, that's right. the important point sure, that, sure. they have yeah. that scene where just like well why would you ever do such a thing because we were so paranoid and so scared about the other side that we needed to have this ultimate weapon and the, and the thing about the show again getting with management and all the people and how many things are crossing without people's knowledge is that there is no system in which you can have a weapon that dangerous and that subtle and keep tabs on it like and it's very it's plausible that 
it got out by accident or on purpose and we'll never know because it's the type of thing that's so dangerous to have that you should like the making of it is the, is the problem that is where you made your mistake once you've made it it's inevitable that you're gonna screw up right so whether you did it intentionally or not it doesn't even matter like that's that's the lesson of should we make this weapon that is microscopic and invisible and could destroy millions of people and then we'll just we'll just keep our eye on it really carefully in case we need it do you think we can do that it's like no you can't do that like no. once you've made it you, it's just it, making it choosing to make it is just as bad as intentionally using it so if you if you're sitting there thinking to yourself well we made it but we never meant to use it so we're good guys that's wrong and i think that's one of the lessons of the show is that with things like biological weapons and potentially also nuclear weapons again dan getting about how close we came to all being ashes you once you make it there is no sort of moral high ground of saying but yeah but we would never use yeah. it yeah it, it, it was made to be used we didn't yeah. use it on purpose so it's okay and so that's why the show like <laughs> avoids that and says it doesn't matter if they did it on purpose once they made it like they that's made the it. point yeah yeah yeah, there's there's no moral high ground for you, you paragons of virtue. And this is, you know, once again, one side trying to kill the other. And you don't know if the other side didn't also make it. Like, it's just, it's it's lost in the mist because they're so, with such few people with so little visibility where you don't even see them. We are as in the dark as everyone else in the show. Uh, and even those people talking to each other of like, they always say like, I know what you did, but they're mostly just talking about making it. They're, they're all, I think management is still kind of in the dark about like, oh, did it get out by accident or on purpose? Was it a good idea, a bad idea? did someone drop a vial it's like we came to peace with it amongst ourselves well that's great for you that you're okay with it and that you're not going to tell the audience what happened but it, you know millions of people are dead and like yeah we, we made our peace with it oh that's you know that's great another thing that they leave on the table uh that i, I was expecting one or the other of them was going to get killed uh the whole time i thought that we were going to be without uh one or the other of the two howard's silk um, and I thought it was, I thought it was interesting that they left both of them alive among all the massive killings that happened right toward the end. And it, it's something that, you know, in the, in the headcanon and the thinking about it and wondering about it, it wasn't even that I had uh, particular things bookmarked for, oh, I think this is how this Howard or that Howard would, would come into play. But I, I liked the dynamic of the two of them still existing wherever the story went from here. There's the optimistic part of this story, right? Which is Howard Alpha has the opportunity to kill Howard Prime. And he doesn't. Yes. Right? They, like they, they, That is the op, opposition. That is the opposite point of what Yannick believes, which is you're going to kill your other. Uh, but, but Howard Prime basically saved his butt by being a good spy and saying, it's what I would do. And there's one thing Howard yeah. Alpha doesn't want to be is like Howard Prime. So as soon as he says that, he's like, damn it. This is the show right. demonstrating that we don't inevitably have to kill the other. Right. Well, I just, you know, and I disagree with that. Like you could read that as manipulation, but I also think that there it's is also a, true. Right. There is is 100 percent true. And I think that more than that, it is not just like about Howard Alpha reacting in opposition. Um, it is about him having a different it's about him being fundamentally a different person and that they both walked a mile in each other's shoes, too. It has something to do with him recognizing. Yeah, you you lived on my side for. Uh, for a month. And, you know, you have probably seen enough stuff by now that uh, whatever uh, he, he was, he was very much coming to terms with the fact that that was probably going to be it for him. Right. And I, I like, I, I think also, you know, from a, from a <laughs> purely uh, logistical standpoint, robbing the show of that interaction would be really sad because those two characters are both amazing. Yeah. We got just enough, just enough scenes of the two of them interacting for it to not feel like something they would trot out 
a whole bunch and and we treasured it to me the scene that's like a real winner is the scene with the two of them in the van and he's like what's wrong with you and he's like i got shot and the other is like sorry hmm. he said basically no shit <laughs> like but he's like really impressed with him and i like i kind of love that moment where there's like the grudging respect of like the you know and, and it's not even that that howard alpha is looking for that respect he's just kind of like yeah i've been through the ringer how was your month yeah, yeah exactly the world. like yeah. The, the thing about the thing about uh, howard prime is that he i mean we didn't get to see i think i feel like enough of howard prime's backstory we got to hear about it but how did he become this warrior that he is but like in the confrontation between them the other thing that i read on howard prime is that at no point does howard prime actually believe alpha is going to shoot him because power crime could just take the gun from him he's two inches away like there's no he's not you know he's not actually a threat only only howard alpha could believe for even a moment that he has a chance of killing howard prime yeah you've got a gun on him he just he would just take it out of your hand but he doesn't believe it's going to happen but i also believe that howard prime at a certain point is willing to be shot because emily has just died and he had feelings for that emily and you know he's he's there are the same person so when he's saying like do it at a certain point he's willing to be killed by by Howard Alpha, even though he knows in his heart of hearts it's not going to happen. He's also aware of what's inside him because it's inside him as well. And so it's the question of like, how much of me are you? How, you know, you do you have this possibility? Well, we know that he killed a guy too, so yeah. And the grief that he's feeling because they're both feeling grief for the same person. Like there is sort of a meeting of the minds there where they're yeah. both grieving about this. And he's like, the only basically the only way he could get killed by Meek Howard is by letting himself be killed. And so he does his thing where he says, it's what I would do, which is both manipulation and also true. But then he also doesn't snatch the gun out of his hand, which he could have done at any moment. But he, you know, he didn't because he's like, look, this, this is a, this could be a fitting end for me and I'm willing to go down in this way. So I'll, I'll let it happen or not happen as, as it, as needs to be. Well, and I read that there was a core of the Howard prime. I mean, we see Howard alpha kill someone, right? Like in, in he echo, kill, yeah, he kills yeah. a bunch of people. Yeah. And it's like, you know that 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 capability is within him mm-hmm. we Same know guy. that right exactly and that's the fundamental thing where it is yes howard prime probably could have taken the gun off him but you know there's a chance that he doesn't there's yeah. a chance that he Pope, kills him right yeah exactly before we go uh i wanted to mention one more time the thing that obviously hit me the hardest in in these 20 episodes is this um the the most clear realization of like how these two worlds are different which is that howard and emily had a child on one side and didn't on the other and uh the actress is only in one episode in season two but it is a wonderful moment it's one of my favorite moments in the show (laughs) after howard's been shot she's a doctor she comes and there's not only is there the whole oh my god you're you're spies i knew it that that whole thing that happens which is great but before that it's she's she's greeted with you brought all the stuff right okay i need you to save your father's life keep it together yeah but the the thing that really uh, touched me is um as he is he's in misery because he's been shot and she's trying to um inject him with like the, like a painkiller and then this crazy because they've got because they've got advanced medical tech over there because of the flu they've got all this like sci-fi kind of medical stuff and she's putting the foam in his wound and all of those things and she starts to sing to him and he says because this is our Howard, he says, my mother used to sing me that song. Mm -hmm. And she says, you used to sing me that song. And she keeps calling him dad. And he's, you know, he's kind of out of it. He's like, who's dad? Who's dad? And it's so beautiful and also tragic because it's the wrong dad, but they still have that connection because it's it's the song his mother sang. And that's why the other Howard sang it to her. It's kind of the inverse relationship of Mira and Yannick then, right? Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it's just I, I find I find all of those moments really beautiful where it's the because there's nothing that says it like uh, somebody else's life what might have been a road not taken like like Howard and Emily's daughter, um, and it hits me hard every time I see those scenes. It's it's pretty great, and that that whole section because that's alternated with the kind of hilarious. I knew you were a spy kind of thing. And then it leads into that other revelation, which is why do you not remember taking me to the farm and riding horses with me? Which is because that was the other one. You just crystallized exactly what kind of variant of Hitchcock's wrong man genre this is, which is this is this is the wrong dad. Yeah, I, I think what's interesting, too, about that is like it does. It's also there's a payoff there for that. Was it two episodes, a couple episodes earlier where we see the flashback to Emily as a young child being taken here with her mother. Right. And like, I kind of at the time was like, why are we like, you know, it's a payoff because mm-hmm. there's a secret place. Mm-hmm. Like, but we spend so much time there. You're like, why is this important? And of we course it does pay off. I'll be Belinda. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, I think this is a really good show. Guys. Yeah. I'm just saying, I think, it, I think this is yeah. a really good show. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's beautiful in a way that like you mentioned fringe. And I remember like the, the end of, I think fringe season one, I thought was great, but fringe lived too long and <laughs> went yeah. on too long and did not have as tight a plot. And obviously the, it wasn't as consistent. I don't think the acting was as good. The writing wasn't as good. The The premise wasn't as beautifully crystallized. This is like, if you liked Fringe in any way, imagine it done better and tighter. Fringe was a great high concept. This is a great high concept that had a great plan. But it, t- it also took like a slice, right? Like, that's the thing. Is it like it took a slice out of what Fringe... Fringe was doing like 800 different things. Yes, and this was, was like, yeah. we're really things. interested in this one thing, right? Like, and that, that that sort of crystallized, like it distilled it to an essence. And there was plenty to do. It was a rich vein. Like, it's not like they ran out of things. There are so many right. characters yeah. and so many different uh, people, even the minor characters, like for like uh, Claire's friends or like the other, you know, the other sleeper agents are just like everybody has a good, believable story, even if they're even like the 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 mole person who takes the fall for Peter, she's on screen for like ten seconds, and just like a whole world spins right. out yep. from her, like that she was there the whole time, and she was the secretary, and her performance, and her not wanting to die, and just it, you know, it's all it's all so well done. So there's, there are many shows that that are like this. They don't do as much, and they do it with more. Yeah, <laughs> they exactly. don't do there it with go. more. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else we didn't mention that we should get to before we wrap it? Really quick, the one thing that uh, we briefly touched on: Nadia slash Baldwin. But she has yeah. an interesting. She doesn't appear for a few episodes. Of yeah, this she, season. she pops back in. Um, and I really, I enjoyed the scene with enjoyed maybe not the right word, but the scene where she essentially has to kill Lambert and escape. And Howard uh, Prime has given her the means to do so, but he's like, "Don't kill my friends." And of course, they catch her, and she's like, "I she guess I have to. to kill I, them. I literally have to, have to kill all of you now." <laughs> yeah. like, she, she she fends one off, gets halfway out the window. He pulls her back in. It's like, oh god, yeah, just no, let her go. I, I enjoy her arc because she's so <laughs> she's so she's broken up about that, right? Like, and then Howard when Howard comes to her later on, I love that scene with the two of them with the with bowls the of milk. cereal. Yeah, and, and where he like he gets her a bowl and he pours her cereal. And it's like we kill people and then we have breakfast. You know, yeah, no, she, she's like, I usually doesn't bother me, but these ones stick with me. And Howard's like, I don't think about it. Yeah, I'm just trying not to think about yeah. it. <laughs> I, I enjoy their dynamics so much, I think. And uh, and the fact that the two of them sort of go and like 
you know, they she he's essentially become sort of a surrogate father figure for her uh, at the end there. And that's, again, one of the things that I miss about not having more of this show is I just really like those two characters interacting and want to see where they go. <laughs> I bet they kill more people in the future. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Something in particular, I mean, we've touched on a lot of the closing of loops and paying off things from season one. One of the things that I found myself uh, thinking about as I, I reviewed this season and didn't I didn't rewatch season one. Uh, I just watched the recap at the beginning of this one was how we expected we would get payoffs for management for the origin of the crossing in some respect, somehow, some way. But I was not, I was not into, I I knew that Mira and Aldous from season one, who, you know, the professors at murder Hogwarts, we didn't know how directly she was connected to all of this stuff and how central she was to all of this stuff in season one. And I was like, Oh, they left them alive. I guess they'll show back up and, you know, get shot in episode three or something like that. Um, I liked that. I had, I, I did not have an inkling of just how fundamental to the whole overall narrative she was. Um, so that I, I, I could not have guessed precisely how that was going to work out plot wise. And it makes perfect sense. That's why it's so satisfying. They're like, yeah. oh, like that that person. Like it's it's not just like, oh, what can we do with them in the next season? Like it's all it was all there from the beginning. It fits together. Yeah. It's such a great yeah. place for a season break. And the second season is just so satisfying of just building on the other one in such a way that you know they were just they match up so well. It was beautifully done. So there it is, people. Twenty episodes. Yeah, Amazon Prime Video in the U.S. Go watch Counterpart. Now we've talked all all the way through, so you know what happens. But uh, <laughs> they might the win when you watch it. <laughs> Yeah, in that universe, okay. in that universe, yeah, the, the flu, the flu won't get out, and in, in fact, uh, Yannick will invent a warp drive. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Make sure you send your kids to real Hogwarts and not doppelganger murder Hogwarts. All right, well, uh, I'll wrap up this episode, but it's been great to finally talk about this now that I think people can see this show finally see it i i hope a lot of people discover it because i it, it's so worth the discovery now that it's somewhere where people watch television and not stars where people only watch outlander i guess um let me thank my guests for being here john syracuse thank you for being here i can only hope that we are actually on the alpha side yeah moises juyan thank you jason wanted to introduce you to someone real quick my wife shadow <gasps> gasp dan morin thank you the crossing is closed yes and we'll weld it we'll weld it shut and that'll solve it and it'll never Fix be a problem everything. again uh and thanks to everybody out there for listening to this um, alpha episode of The Incomparable, the Prime episode is available in some parallel dimension. Uh, And until next week, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.